Welcome to Continuum, the International Business Council podcast, where each episode we sit down with an incredible member of the IBC community, dive in, and learn from their journey. Welcome to another edition of Continuum. Today, we're very, very fortunate to have a wonderful guest named Mary Cornfield. Mary, hello. Welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. More than, more than appreciated. Um, To get started, can you just take a few minutes or however much time you'd like and give us a little background about you and like where you grew up and, and how you... Can it not so much piece by piece got to where you are today, but just a little bit about your a little bit about your background, and then we'll go back in and I'll ask some specific questions um in regard to your career and school. Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey um, my whole life. Um, my dad had started his company before I was born. His dad had started companies. His dad had started companies, so I kind of come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Um, always knew one day I wanted to start a company. Um, that was kind of the intention when I was looking for colleges, looking for a business school, um, and then the intention again, go work for a company and then eventually go and start my own. Um, and now, or I guess a couple of years ago, I started Capitan, um, and I'm the co-founder of that, which creates uh, software for climbing gyms. So you graduated from Notre Dame in 2014, 2015? Uh, 2015. 2015. 2015. So when you got out of undergrad, what did you do? What was your first step? Yeah, so the first thing I did after Notre Dame was I joined Venture for America, which is a two-year fellowship where you go work for startups in non-traditional tech cities. Um, so, you know, not San Francisco, not New York. I ended up going to Miami. Um, the first company I was with there was called Rocker Labs, more of a hybrid kind of dev shop with a little bit of consulting specifically for startups there. Um, and after about a year there, decided, wanted to actually, you know, dig into a startup and work specifically on one product rather than just kind of telling other entrepreneurs, you know, advice on what I think they could help with. So went to Willing, which did online estate planning. Um, And then after that, after about a year, moved out to Colorado, um, worked at a company called TeamSnap, which does sports software for mostly youth sports leagues, um, started on the sales team and then moved on to the product design team. Where did this whole idea of Capitan come from? Yeah. So when I was on the sales team at TeamSnap, my goal was actually always to move into the product design team. Um, I thought that was what was really interesting. When I was at the company, willing, we were a five-person team and we were working with a design firm up in New York. And when you're a five-person team, someone has to be the contact with the design firm. So that was me, even though it wasn't really anything I'd really had experience with before um, and thought their job was really interesting, um, but kind of knew I didn't have the skills to actually move into design yet. And so I saw sales as actually a really good entryway. It's, you know, the same, a lot of the same skills of design. It's, you know, talking to customers, understanding what their actual needs are, diving deeper, you know, what they say versus what they mean. Um, The difference between sales and design in my mind is at the end of the conversation, sales, you know, people have, you know, a suite of products that they can kind of use and fit to that person's use case. And a designer can actually create, you know, new products and new features and new tools for those needs. Um, So started on the sales team and started taking design classes on the side um, with the support of uh, TeamSnap. And the final project was you had to create a company or an excuse me, a product from scratch, kind of using everything that you've done in the you know last six or so months in the design course. Um, and I had been in Colorado about two years at that time. Um, and if you live in Colorado long enough, eventually you need to get into climbing to you know keep your friend group. Uh, so I just started climbing. 
at one of the largest climbing gyms here, um, kind of noticed some things seemed odd about their process, pretty inefficient, um, which we'd helped a ton of organizations with at TeamSnap. You know, I had to fill out a paper form, which I thought was pretty wild um, sure. for, you know, when you're standing in a multi-million dollar facility. Um, and so started digging in, saw climbing gyms were pretty much all using one platform because they have really specific needs. And they didn't really have a platform that was using kind of the best at uh, practices from the fitness industry at large. Um, so that was my project originally for the class. Interviewed a bunch of gyms to get their feedback. Um, and then, you know, kind of switched back into my sales hat and continued the conversations with some gyms. And they seemed interested in, you know, moving forward with the idea. Um, brought on a co-founder and, yeah, kind of all spiled from there. So was it a difficult conversation when you left TeamSnap? Because on in one hand, from kind of a neophyte like me, I could see a correlation with Team Snap to Capitan, yet it's a completely different endeavor because it's really not team oriented. Yeah, it's like pretty apples and oranges, like the, you know, vaguely in the same space, but there's just so many different needs, you know. It's more competing with like a mind body or a Wattify than a Team Snap. So w when you look back, and I realize you're still really young, but since you started Capitan, has your passion changed at all? Are you what are you passionate about? And probably more specifically on a daily basis, what do you find motivating? What what really drives you? Yeah, well, I kind of believe the Scott Galloway thing of if you do anything long enough and are good enough, you'll become passionate about it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that happened in Miami. I know way more about Will's state planning than anyone my age should, um, but, you know, found that really interesting. And, you know, I really like climbing, but I've definitely, you know, I did not have a passion for it before I started Capitan. I just started like a month ago. Um, that has obviously grew since I, you know, started Capitan. Um, but yeah, really, the thing I really like about climbing um, is that it's athletic, so you kind of get that sport side of it, but it's a lot more community-oriented than any activity I've really been involved in. It's not competitive in the way that, you know, maybe running is, where you're always comparing people's times. It's a really casual sport that you can just hang out with your friends in the gym. Um, you know, you can be doing very different levels of climbs right next to each other, so it doesn't matter if your friend's way better than you or if you're bringing a friend that's a beginner. Everyone kind of has that um, yeah, same community experience. Since founding Capitan, have you seen your actual climbing time increased or decreased? <laughs> if anything, decreased because <laughs> I have less time for it. Okay. Um, but I talk about it more. So. <laughs> but yeah, my climbing has definitely sometimes taken a toll. So in, in, in the big picture in regard to being a founder, starting a company, um, what are the like the big like two or three things you can take out of that, not just specific to the industry you're in, but just in general, that if you were to go jump, which you have already, to a different industry, they would serve as foundation or pillar points for you? Yeah, I think the big thing, again, with sales, with design, is really listening to the users and not really dictating what you think they need, but listening to what they think they need. Um, again, you can dig deeper and you know some of what they're saying might be surface level and there's better needs to you know, uncover if you go in a little bit deeper. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the features that we make are always the gym's requests, not necessarily the ones that we want to do first or we think are most important. They're the ones using it and they, you know, they've been in the climbing industry longer, some of them, than I've been alive. Um, you know, they're the day-to-day -day in the gym actually operating it. So their needs always trump what we think um, is important. So I think that's probably the biggest one. And then I also think, um, you know, some of the, and kind of, I think, piggies off of that. Some of the, like, shiny, cool features 
um, aren't really useful until you kind of do the bare bones and like the solid foundation. So we've been really hyper-focused on the last two or so years of really just streamlining front desk operations, which is not the most, you know, fun, exciting, you know, buzzwordy um, type features necessarily. But when you're a climbing gym, like we work with one, one of the largest climbing gyms uh, in London, they can have over a thousand people checking in in a single day. So making a transaction from a minute to, you know, 15 seconds actually has a huge impact on the front desk needs. Um, you know, they've been able to reduce how many people are on the front desk at like their busiest times because now Capitan just automated a lot of things in the background. That's less exciting than like the fun, you know, gamification <laughs> engagement and stuff like that. But it doesn't make sense for us to move on to some of those things until, again, the core of the product um, is really there. So going off on a little bit of a tangent and and more Mm -hmm. on the business side of it, from a research perspective, do you get out and visit gyms frequently, talk to employees, find out pain points? I mean, what gives you your data that you were able to make enhancements? Yeah. So before I even launched Capitan, part of that class, um, I had reached out to probably like 70 or so gyms with my mentor at the time was like expect five to ten to respond that they're willing to talk unfortunately and fortunately 60 were willing to talk nice great. congrats then that's I great 60 interviews <laughs> yeah it was great good problem to have um but the thing that's really cool about the climbing industry is they are very again community oriented they love talking about what they're doing they're very passionate about it um so that was you know how the initial idea of Capitan even came about from interviewing those gyms before again it was even a company and then you know with all of our existing customers um we meet depending on the gym but you know between bi-weekly monthly quarterly cadence just to kind of see how things are going um you know check in what's working what's not and then when we are thinking about releasing a bigger feature always start with interviews with all those gyms or existing customers um again kind of get their input understand truly what they need, what they don't need. Um, You know, every gym operates a little bit differently. And something that's really core to our product is we want to be flexible enough to meet each gym's specific needs. Um, So making sure, again, that the product is simple, but you can customize it to the way that you want to use it. Back when you started, this was a thought, this was an idea, a concept. And and today Mm -hmm. it's a viable entity. So how Mm -hmm. did you grow? What did you do to get customers, get new clients? Yeah, so... Uh, we're pretty much bootstrapped. We got a little bit of grant funding from the fellowship um, that I was a part of. My co-founder was part of that as well. Um, but really, it was just reaching out to gyms, kind of understanding the market after we interviewed, you know, that 60 plus gyms and realizing where the gaps were. Um, you know, reaching out to gyms and being like, you know, this is our understanding of the industry. Is this an issue for you as well? It was enough for some of them to kind of reach out. And we started talking, um, you know, talked about how Capitan could help with those issues. Started with a pilot with three gyms and have been growing from there. So I'm going to switch subjects a little bit. So if my math is correct, 11 years ago, you're between your senior year of high school and your first year at Notre Dame. And if you could look back and, and talk to that young Mary 11 years ago, what would you tell her today? Oh, man. Yeah, so I think the big thing for me is, uh, so I at that time thought I was going to go work for a very big company. Um, That was kind of the path that my dad took to starting his company. His, you know, philosophy was, you know, big companies kind of have it figured out. You can make your mistakes on their dime. They have mentorship. Um, You know, it's good for resume, all these different reasons. Um, you know, go start at a big company. And that was definitely the thought that I had going into Notre Dame was that I would go out and work at 
you know, insert the, you know, five biggest companies that usually uh, employ Notre Dame grads, um, and then eventually go back and start a company. The thing that changed my mind was Venture for America. Um, so Venture for America was actually what uh, Andrew Yang founded before running for president. Um, but his, you know, takeaway was if you want to learn how to start a company, you should go work at a startup, not a big company, um, which was kind of a you know light bulb moment for me. And so I had some internship opportunities while on campus working for startups, really enjoyed it. Um, and that was kind of, I think, when I diverged and decided not to go the traditional kind of corporate path, um, but specifically wanted to seek out startups. What do you think it takes to be successful? In a startup? Well, just in general in business. <laughs> life. And, yeah, I, not so much life. I mean, that's probably yeah. too big. But just, <laughs> you know, if, from a business perspective or in regard to you, a startup, I mean, you already mentioned one, it's having a belief and being committed yep. to it. But I mean, any other, you know, one or two points that you could share? Yeah, I think probably a little bit more tailored to startups, but kind of your job description, I always say in startups, covers part of what your responsibilities were, definitely not all. Um, so a good example is, you know, right now it's still just me and my co-founder. Like, you know, the first time we closed a sale, which was awesome, um, I need to, to sale, send over a contract and we didn't have a contract because right. no one had made that before. And so I had to figure out, you know, acted, you know, put on the lawyer hat and figure out how to make our sales contracts. Um, and then, you know, then now you have suddenly revenue coming in and, you know, now I have to set up our accounting stuff, which again, now I'm, you know, CFO or, you know, CRO or whatever you want to call it. So I think just the willingness to kind of do things that aren't necessarily your day-to-day job become really important in startups. That's how I even kind of figured out about product design as a potential career path was at that startup I was at. We were five people. Again, someone needed to work with a design firm. No one, none of us were designers. And so it just kind of fell on my plate. Um, but it ended up being, you know, something I was really passionate about. So I think just a willingness to go beyond, again, the day-to-day, you know, tasks. So are there any things that, that you think really hold someone back from being successful, whether it's in a startup or just in general? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ambiguity, I think, in startups, and that makes some people nervous because Mm -hmm. it's less predictable than, you know, if you're working for a big four public accounting firm, which is on, you know, they know the day of the year they're going to be busy. They know know, the weeks. They know, like, their exact timelines. It's not changing year to year. Um, Some people really thrive with that. Startups definitely don't have that. You know, our product will change, you know, a multitude of times in the next year. Um, Our sales process will change. Everything will change. So the being... I think comfortable being uncomfortable with the unknown um, is an important thing for startups. So now we're going to switch to a different topic and talk a little bit about leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you think back over your career, professional career, mm-hmm. and you can go back to college, whatever you want to define that. Can you think of a person or maybe a couple people that have had a really big, tremendous impact on you as a leader? Yeah. So uh, the co-founder of TeamSnap was my name, Andrew. Um, he ran the design team. Um, when I initially joined Team Snap, again, I was on the sales team and they had asked me kind of what my, you know, five-year aspirations were. Um, and I said not to be in sales. <laughs> like, I'll be very disappointed yeah. if I'm still in sales in five years. My goal is to learn everything I can here and then move into design. And what was really great about Andrew and a lot of the um, team at Team Snap is they were really good at realizing that, you know, I mean, they were all startup people themselves. They've, you know, gone in many a career twists and turns. 
And so they weren't really looking for people that wanted to do one role for, you know, the rest of their life. They were looking for people that were, you know, excited about the product, excited about learning and continuing to grow those skills. Um, So he became a really big mentor at TeamSnap. Um, He was the one, you know, TeamSnap had a stipend that you could use for continuing education. And I wanted to use it for design classes, not sales classes, even though I was still on the uh, sales team. And it made its way all the way up to him on if that could be approved or not. and he was like, yeah, if you want to keep learning, I'm not going to stop you. Um, you know, eventually I moved on to the design team, which he was the manager of. Um, so got to work with him in our one-on-ones. We went through all the team snap stuff, but he was really big into talking about, you know, how is what you're doing today kind of, you know, aligning with your future aspirations. He, I think, was also very realistic in that no one's, very few people are lifers at companies anymore. Um, so, you know, loved talking about what I want to do after team snap. It's one of Capitan's biggest supporters uh, from the beginning. Um, and yeah, I mean, if he hadn't said I could do that course, then I don't know if Capitan would exist today. So similar to what he asked you, I'll ask, what do you want to do the rest of your life? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Not so much what the, the direction the life of Capitan is going to be, but just from your perspective, you know, what do you envision or directionally, what do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? Yeah, I think for me, what's always been really important is I like the day-to-day changing a lot. Um, So again, from going from sales to design at TeamSnap to now starting a company where, you know, hour by hour, I sometimes am in different roles. Um, I really enjoy that and kind of never want that to go away. So as Capitan keeps expanding and growing and going in different directions, um, you know, eventually, you know, maybe starting another endeavor, but always kind of keeping that smaller kind of, I think, a little bit scrappy mindset in my roles. So I, I think it, I'm speaking for myself. You know, I, I make mistakes every day in, in virtually everything that I do. <laughs> I make a lot. Um, so from your perspective, I mean, the mistakes that you encounter on a daily basis, not – this isn't a negative, but just big picture. I mean, how have you taken those? Do you have any examples how you've taken A or multiple mistakes and, and learned from those? Because it certainly sounds like learning is foundational, you know, going back to your young days – and even today mm-hmm. and with TeamSnap, that you, you got what you are from continual learning. Yeah, I think when you are going into the unknown a lot, there's not really clear right answers when you're, you know, again, there's just a lot more ambiguity and things are less black and white. Looking back, sometimes things look very black and white, but at the time, you kind of do the best you can with the information. Um, so, yeah, I get things wrong all the time. And I think what's most important is just not letting that be like a long term mindset. It's just kind of quickly kind of thinking, OK, well, that that wasn't right. So how do we, you know, win the next deal or like how do we rethink this feature that didn't actually, you know, work for our customers? Um, you know, we've pivoted, which, you know, is a nice startup way of saying your original idea wasn't good. <laughs> it was the wrong one. Um, so, again, I think. Not taking it personally, um, I think, is a big thing um, as well in startups. You know, again, customers dictate what works and doesn't. And, you know, I can't let my feelings get in the way of that. It's, you know, up to them to kind of decide, again, the direction we go in. Okay. Um, I'm going to go now back to your Notre Dame years. Mm -hmm. And you were involved in the SIBC, the Student International International Business Council, of which Mm -hmm. the IBC is the Alumni Association of the SIBC. And can you talk just a little bit about your experience, if you can recall, of SIBC and maybe one, what initially drove you there, and two, are there any principles that, that you picked up 
from your involvement with SABC that you still carry forth today? Yeah, um, thinking back a little bit, not at the tip of my tongue. Um, I think the big thing for me was, again, I was in the business school, kind of wanted to go down that path and the SABC works with, you know, those really big name companies that, you know, were potentially really interesting for after graduation. I think the biggest thing that I took away from it, um, which kind of goes into a little bit the startup mentality too, it's just in general, it's doing work outside of like your quote unquote assigned work. So it's not, you know, your finance classes, it's not your accounting classes, it's doing something um, for the sake of learning um, and for the sake of, you know, bettering your chances at future opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, those, a lot of the SIBC projects are more tailored to like bigger companies and consulting right. firms, the ones that I typically worked on. Um, but again, kind of that, you know, yeah, just looking for opportunities to push yourself and grow in different ways um, is probably the biggest thing I took out of it. So when we look at the IBC and you look at our mission, in, in mm -hmm. kind of simple terms, you know, we want to create a world where the business community acts as a principled force for common good, and whether it's mm -hmm. locally or globally. So yep. taking that and understanding it, how does that apply to what you're doing as well as what you know, your colleagues are doing? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that. Um, so like within Capitan, so one thing that you know I talked about earlier is that what makes climbing really unique is the community aspect of it. But for a long time within climbing, that usually meant white, hetero, male, um, able-bodied. And so climbing, you know, if you walk into a climbing gym, it still is predominantly that. Um, and so I think there's huge benefits from climbing, but not everyone always feels accessible to this or feels that the space is accessible to them either for, again, how they identify financial reasons, lots of things like that. Um, so something that's been really important to us is how can we use even our product to kind of break down some of those barriers. We always say technology doesn't create community. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we do memberships and waivers and things like that. Um, but there's little ways that we can kind of poke and prod and help the gyms with their missions as well. Um, so one example that we'll be rolling out later this summer, um, a big kind of the two main entry methods that people have into a gym are they either have a membership or they get like a 10 punch pass. So, you know, 10 entries into the gym. Um, and one thing that we're enabling um, through a new feature is that people will be able to donate their entry passes to local organizations that the gym's already partnered with. So if I want to donate one of my passes nice. to the Denver Boys and Girls Club um, that, you know, they want to bring in kids to, again, make climbing more accessible to kids earlier on so they feel like they're in a community of people that look like them, you know, similar abilities, um, similar kind of, you know, access, things like that, kind of help them. Um, so again, one tiny way that technology can kind of help. Another one that we'll be rolling out is similar to kind of meetups and stuff, having a lot of climbing gyms have like a ladies night um, or, you know, they call, color the wall, lots of different groups that they have again. So people can go to the gym at a time where they know other people like themselves are going to be climbing as well. Um, so bringing stuff like that into Capitan as well. So again, bringing, um, you know, the gyms are doing the heavy lifting, but just using technology to help them with their efforts. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, two months ago, you had this new influx of college graduates putting yeah. college behind them and, and entering kind of the real world, as I like to say it. <laughs> so, if you had the chance to talk to a group of recent college graduates, and regardless of, of where they're from, if they're from Notre Dame, DU, Boulder, wherever, what would you tell them and to, to help them understand how they can make an impact on the world, but have no idea where to start? Yeah, I think, again, 
when you think of, you know, all the problems the world is facing, like, can be quite daunting. Um, and I don't think it always needs to be the most, you know, you don't need to solve global warming. You don't need to solve, like, everything else. You know, we're in the climbing gym industry. Um, you know, as a, a famous climber said, you know, climbers are probably, when you think about, you know, um, in the pandemic, kind of your needed workers and your not needed workers, climbers were kind of the top of that list. It's definitely a luxury space. Um but even in there, right, there's things that you can do to make it more inclusive, that you can make people feel more comfortable. Climbing has great physical and mental benefits. Um, so again, our product, not going to save the world, but can, you know, hopefully with these extra features can now, you know, bring some more people into climbing that really benefit from it. So I think, you know, starting small um, is a good place to begin. Um, and I think within every company, you know, if we can find a way in, you know, climbing gym software to, you know, help people in some way, then I'd find it hard to believe that other industries can't as well. Um, but again, just kind of those little wins, I think, are, you know, worth striving for. Perfect. So now just we're going to go to just some general kind of bigger topic questions. Mm -hmm. So what do you believe it takes to have a, a really great and meaningful life? <laughs> Hard question. Um, again, I think for me, it's having a job that's interesting to talk about with friends after work, kind of work and life kind of blend a little bit. I love talking about Capitan while I'm here. <laughs> um, you know, it's more than a job. It's something that I really am passionate about and really proud of. Um, and so I think finding somehow in your career or something like that, I think is really important in that side of it. And then, but at the same time, I think it's, really good and something that I was not good at because I grew up outside of Manhattan and right. assumed that was how everyone works. Colorado is uh, way chiller than anywhere I've ever lived before. Um, and I think they're really good at the same time of unplugging and just going hiking or camping or whatever it is. And kind of sometimes it is good to step away from work a little bit. Um, and something that it took me a while to do when I first moved here. I remember when I first was at TeamSnap, it was my first week on the job, and it was like four o'clock in Boulder. My boss was like, okay, you're good. And I was like, good to go do what? She was like, go home. And I was like, but it's four. Like, you must be kidding. Like, this is, I was like, is this a test? Like, it just didn't make sense. But like, Boulder, our office would just empty out, um, you know, early on Friday afternoons, particularly in the summer, or in, honestly all year, ski season. Um, and the like, you know, East Coast type A part of me at the beginning hated it because sometimes you needed, you know, whoever it was that left to answer a question. But over time kind of realized that it was actually really good to have that time to go recharge. You know, people would go pick up their kids like they have lives that aren't just work. Um, and I think, yeah, finding that balance is really important. So in this young life of yours to this remarkable, yeah. you know, 20 something person I'm speaking with, you know, what are you most proud of so far? I mean, I started a company, which is still sometimes pretty wild to me. Like some of our first customers, when they agreed, it's like, you're giving me a lot of money. <laughs> this is wild. Um, and, you know, it's working for them, which is even crazier. Like, you know, we've done millions in transactions, you know, 60,000 unique people have checked in on Capitan. Like, again, the largest climbing gym in London uses us. Like, it's kind of wild to me sometimes, particularly my co-founder and I were both remote. Like, I always say it's kind of strange sometimes because, you know, we'll have, you know, we'll close a big deal or whatever it is. And I'm just sitting in my desk in Denver. <laughs> He's in Virginia. And you're just kind of celebrating by yourself. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we've built a product that people really love. They really like using. Um, and yeah, so that's, it's kind of wild sometimes to think that just two people. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. That's really great. (laughs) Okay. So now even probably more divergent off of that. Um, do you have any time to read any good books that you've read that you'd like to share? No, I'm more like into news now. I feel like I haven't sat down with a good book in a while. I do a lot of podcasts, um, but sitting down to read, I'm yeah, hasn't hasn't happened in a minute. <laughs> okay, no, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. And th- the last question I have, and this may lead to one more though, is that if I were to give you a check today for a hundred million dollars or whatever amount it is, it and basically it means that you don't have to work for financial mm-hmm. means for the balance of your life. What would you do? Honestly, I think I would still keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I don't think. I started Capitan for money. Um, there was much easier, safer paths that I could have gone down, particularly coming out of Notre Dame, that probably would have paid more and would have been less stressful and would have been a little more set. Um, so money was never the motivation for starting a company. I think those are the companies that honestly fail um, and that's kind of all they see. The big thing for me, again, solving people's problems um, with a well-designed product. And so you know, I'll take the $100 million, but that doesn't really change the day-to-day of how I think about Capitan and, you know, starting companies. Perfect. Mary, thank you. I really, really appreciate your time today. For me, I've learned a lot. Hopefully you've had a chance to express yourself and and you certainly shared a lot with us about Capitan and I'm uh, very envious of you. Congratulations on it. (laughs) Get into a climbing gym and maybe you'll see Capitan. (laughs) Hopefully. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening today to Continuum, the IBC's podcast series. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. And for more information about the IBC, visit our website at ouribc.com. That's just O-U-R-I-B-C.com. Thanks. <laughs>